The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me as always, as co-host, we've got Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm pretty good. That's the way. A little bit, little bit sad, but I'm overcoming the sadness of, of what could have been what after have watching been. the weekend. Yeah, that's yes. it. So now we were, move on to 2015. We do, absolutely. And for the first time on the podcast, one of our long-term posters on Big Footy, uh, we're talking with Bomber Clifford. G'day. How you going? I'm good, very good. That's yeah, nice. as Rick said, a little bit sad, but the sadness has worn off now. We're talking about trades. You almost get the feeling we're already started 2015, which is good to see. Absolutely. Well, look, um, first and foremost, before we get started, I'll find out a little bit about how you came to support Port Adelaide, mate. <laughs> well, it's um, I grew up down south, so I was surrounded by... Um, Sturt supporters, South supporters, and for some strange reason, Glenelg supporters. Um, and I remember as a kid asking my my nana who she supported, and I reckon I would have been five or six at the time, and she told me some story about how she liked watching Jeff Motley play. <laughs> so that's sort of where I I came to be a first came to be a Port supporter. Yep. Um, the first ever game I went to as a kid, I think I was taken by my my dad and my grandpa was the 1979 grand final against South, and I have no recollection of it other than <laughs> other than that date and that that uh, that opponent. Um, but yeah, pretty much stuck. I've never never supported any other team uh, other than a brief period of a as a North Melbourne supporter when I lived in Melbourne in the late 80s and early 90s. Fair enough. And that was primarily because of the memory of White's torpedo and. That was one of those things that stuck in my mind as a kid. So when you get that inevitable question in Melbourne, who do you support? You go, well, apart from Port, it's North Melbourne. So <laughs> that changed pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, it's pretty obvious who my favourite player was back then. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought he was one of those. He's one of those guys that just appealed to me. I think he was uh, all bit part, all parts tough. Uh, naughty, cheeky, uh, mischievous, and uh, pretty skillful, I thought. Well, as a kid, I did. Yep. Absolutely. And your favourite match? Favourite match? Jeez, that's hard to remember. Um, I mean, pretty much my favourite match ever, apart from the winning the 2004 Grand Final, was that... Um, that last final round game against Brisbane, I think it was 2002. Yep. Um, that was just intense. Like, loved the whole game, loved it. Uh, from start to finish, I was sitting in a box with a lot of Brisbane supporters. Um, so that probably added to the, uh, the pleasure. All right. Well, let's have a quick chat about the grand final. Um, I'm not sure anyone really saw this coming. Hawthorne with a huge victory by 63 points. Outside of the first 10 minutes, Sydney were never really in the hunt at all. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah, like you said, no one saw it coming. I thought Sydney was probably going to be the dominant team, but Hawthorne just came out hungry, didn't they? They did. I, I have not seen Sydney get that thrash in the midfield for probably four or five years. Mm, I'm going to be really boring here. <laughs> I actually, I hardly watched the game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was at a function with um, with a group of mates. We we're just sitting around having uh, having a barbecue and drinking beers, and just turned. We I think we turned off after about ten minutes, and just thought <laughs> this is this is not even worth watching. Um, started to catch up a bit at the end of the third quarter when the, when it was blowing out, um, thinking could they could they could they get more than 119 points in front. Um, but yeah, it was pretty lacklustre game, I thought. I mean, unless you're a Hawks supporter. Yeah. But, but I had no emotional investment in this game whatsoever, which no, is unusual. No, that's right. I think there was a time in the second quarter where Hawthorne were just piling on the goals and you thought, oh, just keep going. 
please, please just keep going. <laughs> go for 120. Whatever you do, go for the 20-goal win. But um, Sydney sort of did a good job in, in I guess, shutting down um, the margin and keeping it kind of respectable, I guess. Mm. They're just harder at the body, harder, harder at the contest, and they obviously just wanted it more. I mean, obviously, yeah. they're two great sides and, you know, very, very skillful. But one, Sydney just seemed lethargic from the from the moment they came out and a couple of players I, I thought got a bit exposed, such as Jetta. He, mm. uh, yep. he didn't look convincing at all, did he? No, Jetta had a shocker. Uh, Kieran Jack had a shocker. Jared McVeigh didn't do much at all. Um, outside of Buddy Franklin and Josh Kennedy, they were probably the only two, I guess, senior players that really stood up uh, for Sydney. Um, as I said before, I mean, I, I just haven't seen their midfield get that spanked um, mm. in a very long time. Uh, it was just the definition of spectating. They were just sitting back and waiting for someone else to do something. And, you know, Hawthorne just lapped it up. They were winning the Contessa ball and, and finding so much space on the outside. Um, and they were hitting their targets again. It was great football to watch um, in a grand final, I think. You did get the sense that Hawks had um, set themselves up this year to have a, a very dominant finals campaign. They they didn't seem to put a foot wrong, apart from maybe the, the last 10 minutes of the prelim final. Yeah. No, that's right. And it could well be their last or, you know, maybe second last attempt at a premiership win. I mean, I think they've got something like eight players over the age of 30 on their list. So um, they are getting on a little bit in terms of their list age. Um, Certainly still a lot of talent there. Um, But yeah, they're just a great football club. I think they've won more more premierships by quite a long way in the last sort of 30 or 40 years. Mm. No, they have. I think they're sprouting off the stats of 18 grand finals and 12 grand final wins in the last 50 years. So, you know, they've been a, a juggernaut in the in the competition. I think what the, what I saw from Hawthorne was back when they were struggling, they're not a, they weren't afraid or they're not afraid to take advantage of any loophole or rule in the system and <laughs> uh, and also pilfer uh, from other clubs. And, I mean, that's just not a, a dig for them having a go at us, but they were smart. They went and looked at, what the top team was was doing and tried to get IP from that and learned from that, plus taking advantage of uh, the rules that were in place at the time and they've been able to move with it. So, uh, yeah. you know, they picked up some very, very good players and now they're able to just churn and regenerate their list a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep it going for. Mm. Or even, even getting Clarkson when they did. Um, it seemed to be a good... Uh, a good move to create that catalyst to build a good culture around around their team. Uh, it's yep. been very impressive to watch it happen. So where do you think they sit uh, in amongst the other two fantastic uh, eras um, of the modern AFL era? I'm talking about, obviously, the Brisbane three-peat uh, teams and, and, obviously, Geelong. I mean, Hawthorne have won, what, three premierships from four grand finals in the last seven years, so they've got to be up there. Definitely up there, and I, you'd be hard pressed to, to to not have them as a favourite for next year either. Yeah. Um, like even as you said, with their uh, with some of their ageing list, I really can't see them dropping down that much. Um, I it's actually quite scary how potent they were this final series. I thought. Yeah. Um, and I think it was testament to us that we got so close to them in that in that prelim final. Yeah, eventually, though, Father Time comes up. And, you know, even if you keep regenerating or or finding new players, there's always a couple of key stakeholders with any team that which sort of he, keeps the fabric of that team together. And, you know, Luke Hodge is probably one of those players. So you'll probably find with, you know, maybe Clarkson going eventually or a Luke Hodge or whatever retiring uh, you know, that's usually when the ethos of the team can probably change a little bit. But, I mean, I said on the boards this week, Macca, you know, it's um, it, in a way it's a shame that the competition isn't equal because, you know, if you think of the Brisbane three-peat, they had the salary cap concessions. Um, you know, Hawthorne took advantage of the priority picks to get, what, three picks in the top seven, um, you know, which was a massive advantage. I mean, I would, we'd be loving that probably two years ago and what we could have done. Um, you know, and, and I guess Geelong, for me, they had, 
you know, they had the father son, but you know, I mean, that's not really exploiting anything. So, and then you got Sydney with the with the cola. So, I mean, if you look at history, you'd say Brisbane is probably the best because you to win three in a row is amazing and very difficult to do. But I, my logic is that out of that, I'd probably I would still class probably Geelong as the best at this point in time, only because they had no salary cap concessions. They didn't have any priority picks. Um, they were able to develop their players and they, they created a strong culture. Um, you know, and then it, it, you can chuck a, a blanket over the other ones, but they're all great sides. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I like Geelong. Geelong would be my pick. I think they, um, they set a standard that other people were trying to emulate, um, other clubs were trying to emulate. It was easy. It was the probably the most dominant three years I think I've ever seen of a single football club. I think didn't they have some ridiculous win loss loss record over two or three seasons? Um, yeah, they're, they're certainly the most winningest team um, of all time. I think. I love that word, winningest. Winningest. It's a good one. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to wear that that team. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, look on the topic of recruits. Um, there's a big one coming our way by the looks of it. It looks like uh, Paddy Ryder from Essendon has nominated Port Adelaide as his destination club. And to me, this is probably the biggest recruit we've had since Gavin Wanganeen. Bigger than Hardwick? Yeah. I think bigger than Hardwick, yep, absolutely. I think uh, the difference between uh, guys like Pickett and Hardwick, even though they were former All-Australian players, they were probably um, not at their peak when they came to us. Uh, whereas Paddy Wright is coming off his best ever season. Um, so it's amazing that he's coming here, I think. I have to admit, I haven't seen him play much this year. Um, I did did see a bit of him last year because I had a, a mate who's an Essendon supporter and was watching games with him. But, I, yeah, I reckon he's a he's a doozy. I'm glad we've... We seem to be picking the right type of players for the, the club culture as well. Which is uh, which is very impressive, you know. Even the picking up White, White and Polek in the last off season, um, they just seem to fit perfectly as um, uh, you know, as as footballers, but also as uh, as men within the team. And I think that's a, you know, that's got to be put down to people like Rody and the rest of the um, uh, rest of the team behind the trades. Yeah. Well, I think uh, credit's got to go to Paul Vandenberg and, and Gavin Wanganeen for getting in his ear and, and getting him over here. I think that's fantastic. Um, there's been some really good debate on the forum um, about what we should give up for him. A lot of people think that a first-round pick is, is the way to go, which you know obviously makes sense for the type of player and, and quality of player that he is. Um, others are saying you know maybe that's a bit too much considering he's got the uh, the possible Asada penalties hanging over his head. Um, what would you guys trade for him? I think I 16's 16. good. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not keen well, on a player. I think it's obvious, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not keen on a player at all. Um, and I would really like to have some assurity about what the Asada penalty is going to be because I'd hate to be flicking away, pick 16 um, for Ryder and then find out that he's going to be out for two years yeah. and he'll be coming out getting close to 29. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a massive risk. And there's, there'd have to be, I would imagine, some assurity from the AFL that if that was to happen, that maybe we get our pick uh, reinstated, you know, because if it's buyer beware, that's a massive risk to play. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not convinced about coughing up a player either. I think pick, mm. pick 16 in its own right is probably just about right for me. That When that was first proposed, just the pick 16, it sort of felt felt right to me um, and but I can't remember who it is on the forum they always say if you if, if the trade feels like you, you're hurting that's probably about right yeah. um, and I, but I just all the names that get floated like young and more I just I can't I can't get my head around losing a player like that as part of a trade to get to get rider but having said that you know it's these types of trades that will um, you know, definitely put us in the front running for next year. Yep. As I said on the forum um, a couple of days ago, you know, we've probably overpaid for Pickett. You know, we probably overpaid for Wakeland as well with pick four. Um, and maybe with Hardwick as well, giving up two picks. But 
in the end, no one cares if you overpay for a player um, if you're getting that sort of value uh, for that sort of quality. I mean, sometimes when you, you know, when you knocking on a premiership door like we're doing at the moment, you need to sort of overpay uh, to get those missing pieces, I think. Well, you do, but you don't. You don't have to be desperate and overpaying either. So you don't need to rush in uh, high uh, straight from the get-go. Um, you know, I mean, there's still that rumour floating around about Jeremy Cameron as well, how, how much uh, <laughs> value we put in it is one of is another thing, but yep. you know, if you ask me, I mean, I'm sort of uh, derailing the rider talk here, but I would find Jeremy Cameron is more important to us than Paddy Ryder, and I'd probably rather use pick sixteen and and try harder for uh, Cameron, and then if we need a backup ruck, go for another backup ruck instead, but. Uh, yeah, so I'd hate to be over committing way too early and paying too much. And it's a oh, new... look, I think was... it's um, it's like anything. I, I doubt we'd overcommit. I think our starting price will be a second round pick, and we'll go from there. I'd hope so. Hmm. Uh, I would. I'd really hope so because uh, I think there's maybe some great opportunities um, for us this draft period. I, I think there's a few bigger name players for a change that might be looking at Port Adelaide as an attractive destination. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It is great, you know, and uh, all credit to everyone involved that they've been able to turn it around so quickly uh, to make that being the case. And it's probably time, you know, we we thought we timed out at the worst time to bottom out, but we seem to be peaking at almost at the right time as well now. Mm. Yeah. So it's sort of. Swings and roundabouts a little bit, but well, what do you guys think about this uh, Jeremy Cameron rumor? I don't put too much credence in it. I think um, I think we'd have to pay too much to to get him. I agree, he'd he'd be a, a massive uh, massive win for us in terms of what we need. But I think the amount you'd have to pay him, and also what you'd have to pay GWS to get him, I doesn't seem to fit with the, the method that the, the poor guys are uh, using when they're planning their trades. Um, Ken, I don't, Ken to me seems to, it's not quite the money ball theory, but he's picking, he's picking guys that fit the culture more so and, and are needs based on, on what they can bring to the team yep. rather than just buying in a big star. Like to me, a, that sort of runs counter to the whole uh, way in which he's building this team. I think our best hope for getting Je- Jeremy Cameron um, is if he nominates us uh, next year when there's, when he's out of contract um, and we can give them a sort of take-it-or-leave-it offer. Mm. Interesting. It is an interesting time. I, I, what I am seeing through Ken Hinckley's words, though, is there, you can see where Geelong's ethos through their dominant reign, uh, where a lot of their a lot of their material came from, so to speak. Um, you know what's happened at Geelong is almost you know word to word what's happening with Ken Hinckley now, mm-hmm. and he's not as you pointed out, Bomber. He's not willing to sacrifice team for individual, and that's why uh, all these names that get thrown out with any hypothetical trade from some of our posters, I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, I can't see him trading probably anyone from 1 through to 26 on our list unless they specifically say, I want to leave this footy team uh, because he's been so passionate about his support for the team and for the boys and that money isn't the culture. I'd be shocked if he tapped Bobby on the shoulder and said, Mate, we want you to go for Jeremy Jeremy Cameron to come in because oh, that would just yeah. it would undo his whole ethos. Yeah, mm. um, it would kill the club. Yeah, yeah. That's why so, Paddy Ryder fits so well is because we can get him most likely for just a draft pick, and we don't have to screw over the rest of the team to get him, which is great. And obviously, there's there's talk about a lot of other players coming here as well. I mean, there's talk about Luke Loudon from Hawthorne. Um, there's some murmurs about Sam Day from Gold Coast and Tyrone Vickery from, from Richmond as well. So we've definitely got options there. 
I'd love Tyrone. I reckon he'd be great. It would be good. I, I think he's uh, he would suit our club very, very well. Um, I think we'd be able to get him on the right track. Um, I don't think he'd be worthwhile um, after getting Patrick Ryder as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where he'd fit, but certainly if the Paddy Ryder deal, uh, for whatever reason, falls through, um, he would be my next uh, my next target for sure. Yeah, I'm with you, Macker. I don't. If we recruit him, I don't see how we can entertain keeping him happy. If we take no. Ryder as well, no, it would. Right. Uh, it just wouldn't really fit. So that's I why think I think Luke I... Loudon's probably a better fit because he he would be coming here knowing that he is kind of a backup player. Um, and he would get opportunities. Obviously, it depends on how Jared Redden's going and what we end up doing with Redden, whether we uh, delist him and put him on the rookie list or, or keep him, um, you know, keep him on the senior list or not. But I think um, if we do end up getting Ryder and Loudon, that would improve our squad dramatically. I don't know much about Loudon. Well, he's only played the one game, but he's a he's a ready to go ruckman. You know, he's two hundred and five centimeters, can play up forward as well. Um, so he's quite an interesting prospect in his own right. And he's been on, in the, on the list for seven years, hasn't he? Uh, six, I think, yeah. Six years. So So he's 23-24, ready to go. It's interesting that he hasn't played really any games at all, though. You know, that's... Um, yeah, you know, and to be behind Segler as well sort of says, well, how, how good is he? Yeah, you know, I mean... Are we just rolling the dice? We're just trying to get someone that's maybe a little bit capable to sit on the list as a backup. I don't think he'd come here and become a star, but I think he could be able to uh, play a part. I always think of our uh, Barnaby French, Kane Ackland, Barry Brooks <laughs> sort of phase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we need, a, we need another depth ruckman. So yeah. if he's willing to cover here, knowing that that's the case, and you know there might be opportunities, and, and as Ford pointed out during the week, you know, he probably is fighting with Loeb a little bit because Ryder's probably going to be more predominantly ruck and with Redden not going to be ready and Renouf gone, if he does come in, well, he is almost a direct substitute straight away. Yeah. I right. thought that was a very good observation by a young Ford Fairlane, the youngster on our uh, forum. Talking about uh, Renouf, obviously we've delisted four players um, last week. Uh, obviously, Dom Cassisi, he retired earlier in the season after 228 games. Um, one of the real heroes of Port Adelaide, a former captain and a premiership player. And we've also delisted Brent Renouf after 16 games in three years. Constant injuries have um, curtailed his career a little bit. Um, we've also got rid of Campbell Heath after 12 games, all in 2013. He had his third knee reconstruction this year. And we say goodbye to Cameron Hitchcock after 35 games in five years. Cameron, what a legend! He uh, retweeted my uh, tweet to him, so uh, <laughs> what, a, what a good, what a good bloke. But uh, no, he's um, well. I mean, obviously, I'm sure all of us are, are very grateful for their contributions to our our footy club. And you know, I mean, there's a few there that are very unlucky, especially Cam, uh, Campbell Heath yeah. and Cam Hitchcock, which everyone's pretty harsh on Cam. But you know, he's I always saw a natural footballing ability in Cam, and he did have the skill sets to maybe become a stronger, capable player, but he just couldn't avoid those injuries. No, he always right. looked like he was going to break in half to me. Like, he just <laughs> seemed seems to uh, seem so fragile on the field. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of talent, Cameron Hitchcock. He's super quick. He's got decent skills. He can kick a goal. He can run through the midfield. He gets a lot of the ball. He's a very, very good SANFL player. Um, I just don't think he's got that body for AFL footy. And, you know, mm. I think it tells that probably the last four games he played, he pinged a hamstring at AFL level. And you, and you just can't create a career out of that, really. No, not really. I mean, and every time I watched him, you, you just sort of had no conviction that he could last a game, yeah. um, which is a bit of a shame because, like I said, he had, he had natural foot, footballing ability. He could find the ball at... SANFL level and he could find the goal. So, mm. and, uh, you know, he seemed to be uh, one of those players that had a strong bond with a lot of the players in the, in the, in the core group as well. So mm. uh, it's a bit of a shame. I mean, probably Renouf's the most disappointing one for me because he came across 
what I thought was being a really aggressive, strong player, but I never saw that in his play. No, I mean, he had injury issues of his own as well. I think we picked him up knowing that he had a few injuries and a bit of a hip problem. Um, but obviously, he was a premiership player at Hawthorne. Um, he came here, I think we were expecting him to become first ruck. Obviously, Loby hadn't broken through at that stage yet, and Redden still hadn't debuted. We'd just gotten rid of Brogan. Um, so he was coming here to play games, and he never really sort of got that run of games going. His, uh, I, I thought the best use of him was that Fremantle game this year where he was pretty much just used as a, <laughs> a battering ram against yeah. um, the, the Giant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I felt for Renouf because I, um, I happened to meet him once and I, I thought he was a really great guy, good, yep. good guy to chat with. Um, did seem like a bit of a gentle giant um, in some ways. Um, and I, yeah, it was disappointing because I, I just thought he would have just been that the, the right thing we needed at the right time. Yeah. Well, we needed an experienced ruck. We ended up trading a second-round pick for him. Hawthorne picked uh, Bradley Hill with that pick, so uh, I think they probably ended up with the better um, end of that deal. Um, and Campbell Heath, I mean... I was, as I've said numerous times on this podcast, I'm a massive fan of Campbell Heath. I think he's got a huge amount of talent. He reads the play so well, but, you know, three knee reconstructions, you know, it's, it's just a real pity that he couldn't get his body right. Mm. I thought he was great last year. He was one of the, yeah. one of those uh, newcomers that I really took a shine to. Um, I thought he played, <clears throat> played really well last season and it was disappointing to see that he just, you know, Again, couldn't get it, couldn't get himself ready for uh, for this season. And seeing him go down in that sandful granny, um, I just thought, oh, you poor bastard! You know, yep. you just knew it was the end. Yep, Absolutely. I think he just needs to go away and probably just play at a, a second tier level, just get his head right, try and get confidence in the body, and you never know, another opportunity might come back for him anyway. Because, like you said, he. He's a very capable player. Yeah. How old is he? Oh, 23. 23, yeah. Oh, yeah, so he's still young. Yeah, yeah he's still young got time enough. on his side. Absolutely. I think the problem is, if I, if I was him anyway, I, I just don't know if I'd want to keep putting myself through the risk of going out and thinking, oh, shit, is my knee going to go again? Sometimes you just got to go enough's enough and and probably just bite the bullet and say maybe it's not my thing. Well, there was talk earlier in the year where um, it was said that he was thinking of giving it away anyway, so maybe it was a mutual agreement to a part company. We've got the power to win, power to roll, come on, aggression, we are the power from... Well, let's go on to the main reason for this podcast this week. Uh, we're going to do a, a bit of a season review, a bit of an overview of 2014, um, which was a bloody enjoyable year, I must say. Uh, we won 14 games for the year. We won two more games and finished 27% better off than we did in 2013. We kicked 16 more goals, conceded 52 less, which was fantastic. We actually conceded the least amount of points um, in the club's AFL era, which is fantastic, I thought. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, our best ever defence. Not bad for an attacking coach. Absolutely. So we finished two go. Well, we were, sorry. We were two games clear on top of the ladder halfway through the year. Um, I guess the first question is, where did it go wrong? Um, and do we see this season as a success or a bit of a failure? Oh, it has to Tough be question. a success. <laughs> has, to, has to be a success. I mean, we improved from last year. No one really... Um, Voted when in conviction that we would uh, make the finals in the media, and even on the, our own forum, you know, people were uh, very fifty-fifty on on what the results were going to be. And I think, you know, the mid the noticeable mid-season slump uh, did come with young bodies, which were obviously being protected for a strong finals campaign. And boy, they played a bloody strong finals campaign. We we they can't did. really can't complain about the finals campaign other than not winning against Hawthorne, but Hawthorne showed they're a bloody great side. So, Absolutely. you know, 
the boys got a lot to take away from it, I thought. And as a supporter, I couldn't really ask for, for too much more outside of winning a premiership. What were your pre-season predictions? I know for me, I just wanted a home final. I thought if we could get a home final, that would be a big improvement on, on mm. what was a, a good starting point in 2013. And we got that. Yeah, I had us. I had us finishing around fifth or sixth. So um, I was um, quietly surprised that we were gunning for fourth in the last uh, last game of the round. Um, a bit disappointed we lost to Frio in that game. I thought, um, you know, it was just we we seemed to be playing well and we almost had it, and then that nine goal burst came from out of nowhere, and it was just what I haven't seen this all year. Maybe we are, you know, you start to have those doubts. Maybe we are the, um, the outsiders here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great going back to Frio, uh, going back to Perth uh, and beating Frio on their home turf. I thought that was a, one of the highlights of the year for me. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, I, was, I was looking for this season to be an improvement on last season. And 2013... There was an excessive amount of games where we disappeared for considerable chunks of a game, which resulted in losses. And Mm. even though that happened a few times, like that nine-goal run, it didn't really happen that often this year. So for me, that was a significant improvement this year as a footy side. Um, You know, probably if we're going to look a little bit critical... We did seem to struggle with, with the weather, that, that period where we lost, where especially in the more slippery conditions, where we didn't seem to have a, a, a fallback game plan until probably the Gold Coast game where we went, shit, we just got to kick it long. But we seemed to be playing that over-possession game uh, and we got caught up in the over-handballing too offer, often and, and not really maybe adjusting to conditions fast enough. Mm. No, you're right. We almost seemed a little bit stubborn at times um, in sticking with uh, what the coaches wanted to do as their as their plan plan A, and not really being, uh, I guess, flexible in in uh, in adjusting to those sort of conditions, especially against Essendon. I think that was one which really got away, maybe against Collingwood as well. But as you said, Rick, I think the start of the season was was fantastic. Um, I mean, not many people expected us to start the season too well. Um, a lot of people expected us to be maybe one and five and, and, and up against it. But you know, to beat Carlton away, to thrash Adelaide, um, you know, and, and then beat West Coast away, and then also Geelong for the first time in what seemed like about two decades was uh, was a fantastic start to the season. Yeah, it was great. It was a good um, good run there for a while. Um, I love the. Um, uh, I love the showdown. That first game, first game at Adelaide Oval was just, uh, it was great to blow them off the park. It was. Um, yeah. And I thought that really, to me, that really announced the, the team. As good as the win against Carlton was, I think that, that showdown one was a bit of a, a pressure release that you knew that this was almost going to be a, a good year for us. Look, where did we improve? Um, I'll start the ball rolling. I thought our, uh, our bowl movement was better and than it was in 2013, especially by hand. I thought our handballing skills for much of the season were, were as good as any team in the competition. Yeah. I thought our defensive structures were fantastic, not allowing inside 50s to the opposition. I think uh, Jackie Homsch, the improvement in him, um, and also having that third-toll defender in the side, improved us out of sight. And obviously the, the natural improvement in the games of Jasper Pittard and, and Broadbent and also um, the introduction of Jarman Impey as well. Um, I thought our delivery inside 50 was better than it was last year. Um, and we also became league leaders in, in things like bounces and inside 50s. Um, you know, clearances were very good. Uh, marks inside 50, we always found a lot of space. Um, and as you said, Rick, staying in the contest was something that we really did struggle with in 2013. And we only really once allowed that big run of goals, as you said, against Frio in the last uh, minor round game. Um, and we never really got blown away by any opponent this year either. I think our, our biggest losing margin was 26 points, which, you know, is, is pretty good, I would have thought. Yeah, I, um, I really liked the way we had, we had an ability to maintain the striking distance um, from our opponents, like that we never really let anybody get away. And you yeah getting even towards the end of the season where 
you get that, build that expectation up as a supporter that you, it doesn't matter what's going on in the game and no matter how frustrated you are with, with uh, what's going on on the field, you knew, you knew that we had, we were still in it. Um, and that's, I haven't felt that for a long time. Yeah. Well, what was it? 10, 10 games for 99 po- points uh, against or total for loss. So yeah. 9.9 average. So uh, shows that we're really. right in it. Yeah. It is incredible. So you know, just shows how close close we were to to maybe being there on on the final day. But I guess for me, the highlight was probably the defence. So I thought the defence stood up in our losses and also in our victories. And as you pointed out, Macca, with the with the drive from the smalls, but also the the defensive abilities from the talls and and Homps really stood up and improved this year. Um, Trengove. And Ali Paddy took it right up there. And yep. I mean, I didn't, Ali Paddy probably wasn't going to get all Australian, but he could have been pretty close to have been. Jeez, I thought he had a cracker year this year. I love yeah. watching him play this year. Yeah. Just took the game on and, you know, almost a little bit, I saw a little bit like uh, a little bit of Pittard in the way that he was playing. Well, as much as you can see Pittard in a guy the size of Ali Paddy, but he just, uh, it was that braveness that they were talking about um, earlier in the year that they wanted the players to take the game on. I found he was, if I had to list the top three players, my favourite players this year and the season they had, he'd definitely be in there. But, yeah, so for me, the defence most definitely and our run and our skill, our ball use. I mean, that Adelaide showdown, as you pointed out, and the Brisbane game and then the Richmond game and even Hawthorne, uh, two weeks ago, they were just, it was just pure um, football, you know, especially, I mean, that's one of my vivid recollections of the LA game was just like everything was just so pure and crisp and fast and uh, it was all, it was the most precise football I've seen from Port LA football side in a long time and, well, probably ever, really, yeah. because, I mean, they're different eras, but when I yeah. compare it back to the 80s and 90s and to now, you know, the skills were just amazing and they were just so clean and it was like the ball was just stuck on the end of the hand and the boy, especially Pollock, I mean, Pollock's uh, first showdown game was amazing. And, uh, you yeah, know, and I guess that's where we improved a little bit this year with smart, clever recruiting. Getting I think we're definitely, like yeah, no doubt. I think we're definitely the most attractive team to watch in the competition in a year where we've played so well i've really really struggled to watch any other game that's not uh, not involving port adelaide for probably the first time ever um mm. i think the the standard across the competition has been relatively poor and quite boring a lot of games but you know you know with port adelaide we're always going to bring it we're super skillful super quick we've got so many sort of showtime players that can do the incredible big marks big goals um, you know, it's, it's been a real enjoyment, um, a real joy to watch Port Adelaide this year. Oh, definitely, definitely, and even things like uh, players like Jake Need coming coming in mm. in the finals. You know, he's it was amazing to watch a guy that sort of had you know intermittent games throughout the year um, or towards the tail end of the year, and then just come in for the finals and blitz it. Yeah. He's he's amazing to watch. Apart from when he's uh, up against a six-foot defender in the forward <laughs> 50. <laughs> Not wrong. Well, where did we struggle this year, Rick? Oh, as I said, uh, we we still struggled with probably having a, a plan B, which could be uh, a result of still having a relatively young side. Um, we also probably struggled for having a little bit of lack of depth, uh, which was, if I remember rightly, going back to the beginning of our podcast session this year, that was always going to be a concern for me. And, and as you pointed out, you know, Jacko and, and Bobby going down really did expose us a little bit there, uh, our lack of depth. So they're probably the two things that the boys need to work on in the preseason is having a plan B, uh, you know, because obviously the team's going to come again next year harder and smarter about flooding our our contest and trying to get the contested ball because we did, I remember you talking right in the back of my mind over and over <laughs> again, Macca, you know, centre clearances, we're getting smashed, we're getting smashed. So, you know, and Phil Walsh is a great senior assistant. So, 
you know, we need to get those centre clearances sorted out, which will also help us maintain control of a game a little bit better as well. So um, they're probably the the two aspects that I'll be looking for. And obviously the club's trying to target the recruiting now. So hopefully that will improve our depth also. No doubt. Yeah, certainly Mm. for me, um, the number one thing where we struggled was uh, centre clearances, as you said, Rick. I think um, clearances around the ground at the stoppages were pretty good, but we always were forced to uh, to throw extra players at the stoppage around the ground to try and create extra numbers and get the uh, get the clearance by stealth, I guess you'd say. Um, whereas always at the centre clearance where it was, you know, four on four, we were struggling all year to, to get those centre clearances. And, and it really cost us a couple of games, I thought, and cost us the chance of getting momentum when, you, when you're getting a bit of a run on um, and the opposition's just able to waltz it out of the middle time and time again. Um, that was probably one of the most disappointing aspects of the year for me. Um, as a, a bit of a buyer side with that I think our forward structure especially through the second half of the season was a bit of a mess again I think that was due to having to throw extra flankers into the midfield and um, to try and win that bowl um, obviously we lacked um, adequate cover especially for the ruck um, key defense and key forwards all our tolls um, you know our backup tolls just didn't come on or, or they got injured which was very disappointing um, and I think our goal kicking, our ability to convert in front of goal at uh, at pressure times, uh, was deplorable at stages of the year. Yeah, that's the one for me. Goal kicking. Um, I thought we lost some very winnable games due to poor goal kicking, um, yep. and I'll I'll include the prelim in that. Um, and it's not like we were just having these crazy snaps on goal. That um, some of them were fairly straightforward shots on goal. No, that's right. You know, time. 13, 16 to 15, 7 in the prelim, you lose by three points. That really hurts. Um, you look at the second showdown, we kicked 10 goals, 16. You know, we lost by 20 points. We kicked seven goals, 18, and lost by two points against Essendon. Um, it certainly wasn't a feature of our year. But I think that comes down to your point about forward structure as Mel Macker. Uh, I think um, our delivery into positions where they're not really favourable for goal kicking. I mean, that's not always. We did miss a lot of sitters as well, but we were taking a lot of difficult shots uh, at goal at times too. So maybe we weren't being as courageous as what we needed to be with where we were kicking the ball. And there seemed to be a lot of times where we sort of just got sucked into trying to drop the ball on top of the forward's head to to maybe just try and get a big specky or whatever instead of kicking the ball to position and making the making the forward run onto the ball. And, again, that's where, you know, we need a, a good, uh, strong pre-season in, in training the boys to hit it to the right spot. There was a noted change, I thought, halfway through the year where the first half of the season we were playing a lot through the corridor um, and we were getting a, a lot of very good um, uh, easy shots on goal, I guess you'd say, from sort of 20 metres out in front. Um, once... Uh, opposition teams worked out that they need to stop us going through the corridor. It was almost like watching uh, Latter-day Choco, as I've said a couple of times this year, where we were just sort of hoofing it into the pocket and hoping for the best. Yeah, well, what do you what do, you do though? I mean, that's where, you know, you need that rider, that Cameron or whoever, uh, yep. I guess, to have that confidence. But again, yeah, I mean, rider's a little bit different because he's so tall, but... You know, Cameron's not a player where you just lob it on his head either. No. You know, the forwards, you know, you need to kick it in front and give them an opportunity. And I mean, that's what makes Hawthorne so good. I mean, have a think, think about how many bombs, high bombs on in the grand final or even against the prelim, did they kick to their forwards, like recklessly just bombing it into the forward 50? Yeah. Not many that I can think of. You know, no, they are right. precise, accurate and methodical with how they deliver the ball um, to their forward targets. And, and that's where we just need to become a bit smarter. Well, what were the biggest surprises this year? Matty White. Yep, I like that. Uh, he was a bit of a Matty Who for me. Um, <laughs> you know, he was great, though. He's great to watch. He was electrifying. I mean, he personified our, our speed fetish that we had in our quick ball movement. Some of the goals that... He kicked were amazing. I mean, 
I was a, a rank amateur footballer at best, but one of my deficiencies <laughs> was even at a slow jog, I couldn't kick a football. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had to be stationary to kick a football. So, I mean, I can really appreciate how this guy at full tilt can still kick a, a ball like he does. Is just amazing. But his courage just to, in any game, at any time, just to take on his opponent and run, you know, that epitomises what Ken Hinckley wants in the team. Yep. His ability to accelerate is incredible. Like, yep. the, you can tell he's going to do it. He just does the little glance over the shoulder and then takes off. Um, I think I only saw him get pinged once for running too far. I think that was against Frio. But the other times it was just you could see him turn his head, slight glance, bang, I'm off. And he, he pretty much just burned them off right there and then. I think probably the biggest surprise for me was Jared Pollack. Um, obviously, he came here. You, you didn't really know what to expect. A, a super talented kid who went very, very early in the draft, hadn't played a lot of games for Brisbane, came here with noted sort of uh, issues. Um, you know, he, he got blasted on his first training session. You thought, God, have we given up too much for him? You know, but right from the first trial game against the Crows, um, he just went bang. And didn't really look back um, at any stage during the year. He had a massive season, and I think he's improved our side dramatically. Mm. His uh, his delivery is just superb. Some of those uh, <laughs> some of those little popped up kicks that yeah. it looks like he's looking at somebody else, and it, they just land straight in someone else's lap. It's just amazing. Yeah, I he's like me- immediately you. become the best kick in our side, which is fantastic. I think the other surprise is probably Jack Homsch. Um just how good he was this year. Um, and he just added so much to our defensive structure. It was fantastic. I think another big surprise was Robbie Gray becoming the best player in the league. I don't think anyone really expected that to happen. But, geez, what a season he had. Settle down, Macca. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just getting carried away now. We're not doing player reviews. I know. Yeah, and you're missing the most important person in our team for the whole season. No, oh, here we go. What about Pitta? Bring on the Jasper, love. Oh. I have to say, Rick, I'm I'm with you. I'm a, I love Jasper. I reckon he's great. I had to retrain the whole big footy board this year. Okay? <laughs> well, look, I mean, Jasper was, was my biggest disappointment, to be honest. This year? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just wants to be <laughs> death by fifty lashes. But uh, everyone everyone was uh, raining on the Jasper parade, and you know, there's a few of us that. Uh, was sticking fat with him and, you know, knew that the good was going to come. And, you know, by the end of the season, there wasn't many people questioning uh, Jasper and what his role in the side was anymore. And I thought he had a fantastic final series. And he epitomises again, like Matty White, uh, what King Hingley's game plan is. And that's run, carry, dare, back yourself in. And he's only going to... Yeah, and as a young kid, well, Porsche will argue he's not young anymore, but you know, <laughs> as a as a young kid, he's still getting there, and uh, yeah, he's one of those players. I think that's going to be fundamental for us in 2015. That's why I nearly passed out when I saw his name as a trade bait today. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not going to happen. There's no way he's going to get no. traded. But... Look, no. I think uh, another big surprise for me was Jarman Impey uh, to come in. I, I don't think I really had. <laughs> all that much expectation that he would play a lot of games, but for him to come into the side, um, you know, basically a top four side all year, uh, to cement him his spot um, as that sort of player, as a shutdown defender in his first season, um, I thought he played admirably well and, and was pretty unlucky not to get a final. Yeah, I was surprised he didn't didn't get into the final teams. Um, I thought he was, I thought he played great and that, um, some of the highlights that uh, that pick up and goal, I can't remember who we played. Was it at Hawthorne against Hawthorne? And he um, streaming into the the northern end, gathered the ball and, and kicked the goal. That was one of the most yeah. sublime acts I think I've seen in the in footy in the last couple of years. Yep. Yeah, I'd also yep. add the one of the biggest surprises for me was our uh, the attendance attendances at our yep. home games. Yep. Um, that that just blew me away. Uh, it's great though. Great creates a great atmosphere. Mm. Um, even um, even some of the lower attended games, we still manage to create a bit of a bit of uh, atmosphere pre-game and during the game. I think the Bulldogs one was probably the most boring game, 
but um, all the rest I thought were, were really good games to attend. Yeah, absolutely. Well, be prepared uh, for your mind to be blowing next year because I reckon uh, next year it's only only going to get better. Mm. Uh, I think we're going to be uh, one of the hits of the year next year and everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon. So uh, I reckon... You mean they issues. haven't already? <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon there'll be more, mate. I reckon there'll be more. And hopefully we'll also be rewarded by the AFL with a half-decent fixture too. Let's hope mm. so. Fingers crossed. Well, look, what were the biggest disappointments for 2014? Can I say Trigg going to Carlton? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Never forget. <laughs> Rest in peace, Triggy. We still um, miss you. I, look, it's got to be Butcher for me. Um, yeah. I had high hopes for him this year, and I, he was he's exactly what we needed, I think. Um, we needed a player of his, of his size and ilk to, to stand up. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but it does seem to be a, a mental thing that um, that not being selected for the Brisbane game seemed to be a bit of a sliding doors moment for him. Mm. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see whether he actually uh, does come back and play with play again a uh, game again for us next year, um, or whether he even gets traded this year. But uh, I, I hope he does stay, and because I, I really, when he does play well, I like the way he plays. Um, I just uh, would like to see him kick some goals. Yeah, absolutely. I guess he was my biggest disappointment for the year as well. Not necessarily all because of him, um, but just the fact that he only played three games for the season. I thought, you know, this was his first full preseason. Everyone said, oh, well, just wait till he has a full preseason and then you can judge him. Well, he got one. You know, everyone expected big things this year. He started the season reasonably well. He had a very, very good showdown in round two, got dropped um, after uh, round three and wasn't seen again. You know, had some pretty good SANFL form at, at times during the year, but really fell away quite dramatically in that second half of the season. And then he got sick. Um, and as you said, I guess we we're all left wondering, will he ever make it? Yeah, that uh, that drop chess mark against North Melbourne mm. in the centre of the ground, it was almost, you know, you see that happen and you think Ken's just not going to wear that. He's not no. going to. He's not going to allow that to happen. No, um, that's right. And pretty much that sealed his fate for the season. Yeah. I think the other one is another player, and also from the 2009 draft, was Andrew Moore. Um, I had him as my player to watch for 2014, uh, and unfortunately it was injuries that really curtailed his season. You know, I thought he had a really good preseason. Um, actually, quite a great preseason, I thought his form was. And, and then he got injured in that last preseason game against St Kilda. Um, and got a bit of a stinger on the shoulder. He, he missed um, missed a lot of games to start the season. He came back, hurt his shoulder again, missed another five games, and you know he just couldn't get any sort of run of form going. And, and he looked pretty good at, in the SANFL games he played, but when he got games at AFL level, I thought he looked uh, timid at times and unwilling to use his body in the same way that he did in 2013. Mm-hmm. No, he's he, fair, fair call. He is one I'd love to see come on. He's got... Um, you know his size and physique. It's uh, I think I mentioned in the forum. He's a, he's a thoroughbred. Yep. He's um, it'll be if he can get that mind, uh, get over the mind games and get himself adjusted to AFL, uh, the speed of the AFL games. I think he'll be a he'll be a good one for us. And I'd hate to I'd hate to lose him to another team yeah, and see him, see him excel somewhere else. Yeah. What about you, Rick? Uh, to me, it's more all our experienced reserve players uh, probably didn't take their opportunities when they were presented. Um, so your, your Mason Shaw, who's getting a little bit experienced now, John Butcher, Aaron Young, Ben Newton, Andrew Moore, uh, all of those players in the uh, in the reserves. You know, they really just didn't push their case, which I've been banging on a bit for a while now, getting in the senior side and just dominating and going, this is it, I'm here, I want to stay here. Um, you know, they've all had a few opportunities and they just didn't really take it. And, you know, it was this year could be make or break for some of those players. And, you know, those players could have been the difference when we did have some years. Uh, to maybe winning a couple extra games and, mm. you know, it probably didn't happen that way. So 
which comes back to my earlier point about being exposed with a bit of depth. So, you know, really the nuts and bolts for those boys, if they are on our list next year, will be 2015, will be have to be their year uh, to show something or they're probably going to be in big trouble. Yeah. No, that's a fair call. I think Aaron Young was probably the best of those fringe guys. Certainly in the first half of the season, he was playing some really good footy, but he fell away a little bit. You know, obviously we tried guys like uh, Sammy Gray and Kane Mitchell for mixed results as well. Um, I guess the other biggest disappointment for me was our run of losing those close games due to poor goal kicking. I think we lost against, you know, Sydney, Adelaide, Collingwood and Essendon in the space of about six weeks, pretty much solely because of our inability to convert in front of goals. And I think in the end that really cost ourselves a shot at top four, possibly even top two when you think about it, um, by losing those games that we really could have and probably should have won. It's that whole could have been scenario isn't it mm. the whole sliding doors um but yeah well, that's sydney I like, that first sydney game i right, reckon yeah. was one of those yeah, yeah. it was but a cracker game been... and and i wish i think if we if we'd managed to scrape over the line there i don't think we would have i think that would have given us the self-belief to win a few more of, of that next run even yeah. without trengove and carline no, well true. we had the last shot of the game we did so yeah. we we did have an opportunity to win it, but we didn't take it. Hmm. We had an opportunity to beat Hawthorne in the preliminary final, but we didn't take that either. Yep. Uh, you know, so we were able to create those opportunities, but it comes back to that earlier point, we probably didn't execute into a position to give us a better, the best opportunity to actually win the game. You know? yep. Like Andrew Moore's uh, final fling in the prelim where uh, he couldn't spot up the target in the midfield mm. and uh, went over Ollie Wine's head. You know, it's just those little simple things which, when you with hindsight, make such a difference. Yep. Look, back to the uh, positives, what were your favourite memories? Uh, well, easily. Uh, you know, there's so many, like easily the first showdown. That's, yep. um, that was an amazing memory, but... Seems seems like it's forever ago that I almost had to think, was that this year? No, I, I agree year? 100% with that call. I've watched the replay of that recently and I thought, God, that feels like about two years ago now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I did, I really loved watching the Never Tear Us Apart thing grow at each of the home games. Yep. And being being a supporter, look, I'm not one, of, I'm not one for doing the, the scarf above my head, but I love it. I love sitting amongst it and, and doing it uh, and, and listening to it. Um, I got to meet Dingle twice. That's one of my <laughs> favourite memories. Yeah. Um, but for me, hands down, I reckon the, the, the most favourite one was the Richmond elimination final. Um, that, that The build-up and atmosphere was one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced at a, at a footy game. Um, uh, I loved all the pre-game stuff. Um, love the way we demolished them pretty much in the first quarter. That was it, game over. Um, and I also reckon the um, is my tinfoil hat time. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that the uh, the prison bars Guernsey uh, situation uh, wasn't a little bit sort of pre-planned. So, and in my opinion, that's great. I love the. Um... I loved us getting recognisable sponsors, which gave our club a bit more credibility, um, you know, which wasn't too long ago. We had my ATM and Soaring Securities and we were a bit of a laughing stock. And, you know, now we've got two great brands uh, supporting our club, which gave our supporters a lot of confidence. Um, and I also, my probably my greatest memory is uh, for the season is, having excitement back in the football club and, and on the field. Uh, it's, as you said, Mackie, you, you found it uninspiring to watch other games. And, you know, we've brought excitement back to our supporters, be it through uh, Bombers' uh, ex great explanation or description of the pre-game entertainment or on the field. Uh, we're an exciting footy club again, and that's very uplifting for me. Yep. No, that's right. My favourite's probably that first home game against Adelaide Oval as well. Just the buzz and excitement surrounding that game. 
and then seeing that awesome pre-game ritual for the first time with the not giving in, um, followed by never tear us apart. No one really knew what to do at that point in time, but you know it was a real organic growth in the never tear us apart thing, and now it's just become this massive, massive thing. It's fantastic. Um, I really enjoy those triumvirate of, of wins against Geelong, Freo, and Hawthorne, and and ending the hoodoo against those three teams, which is which I think is quite important. Um, and yeah, look, obviously the first final against Richmond in the Prism Bars and the excitement around that game and just the way we started that first quarter was just, uh, you know, just the most electric I've ever seen Port Adelaide play. Do you think the club could be missing an opportunity if if they can't potentially get maybe in excess to come to do a pre-game <laughs> one game next year? I just see it'd be just such a magnificent and thing to be able to orchestrate if it could happen. I'd be pretty good to do it live. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Mm. I think you've got to be careful, though, not to not to kill it with making it over the top. Yeah. I, I think the, the beauty of it is that it's it has happened organically. And, you know, being a supporter that's gone to the home games, the first home game and just kept going and seeing this thing grow and grow and grow, I think that's where that's where its strength is. Well, look, last question is, uh, where can we improve for 2015? You know what I reckon it is? I reckon it's just plain old experience. I think the experience that the guys would have had this year, um, not not just the finals, but, you know, going through that that mid-season slump and, and try, having their depth tested um, is going to give them... It, it'll help players like Moore make that make a better decision next year um and getting more games into him next year and players of his ilk uh chad wingard i think you know with another preseason, um he'll start to get more consistency I, I thought this year as good as he was he does tend to fade in and out of games a little bit too easily um and so i think it's really just down to you know this year we lock it in the bank we've got that experience we get another preseason and bang, off we go again. And I think that's where, apart from some trades of some key players, I think that's where the our current squad will get the most of its uh, improvement. Yeah, junior junior development for me. Uh, you know, we've still got such a young uh, team. So as long as they're not complacent and they, they work hard to achieve their goals, um, you know, uh, top four should be calling. Um, as you've seen this week, uh, I've sort of been trying to, uh, uh, what's the word, dilute expectation a little bit, I guess. I, I think it's probably unhealthy as a supporter base uh, that we just come in already just going, oh, top two, top two. I mean, it's it's the AFL ain't that easy, you know, and I think we as supporters we should be hoping and expecting a top four. But, you know, it, that still isn't easy. Things still need to happen right. Need to avoid injuries, and we need to see growth in the Chad Wingards and the Ollie Wines. Um, all of those young players need to take it up another level because everyone else is going to increase another level. And so I'm hoping that the boys come back, work their ass off, which I'm sure they will, and they'll give themselves every opportunity to try and get top four for next year. Yep, good call that one. I think uh, the prelim results going to sit in their guts for a while, and. You know, I think there's some obvious places where we can improve. I think foot skills is definitely one. I think composure with the ball, especially in front of goal, um, is another where we need to improve. Um, I think we need to get uh, some adequate AFL standard backup in, in positions like the ruck, key position forward and key position defence. Obviously, Paddy Wright is going to help with that dramatically, but also I think improvement in, in players like Tommy Cleary and, and Mason Shaw. Um, and Mitch Harvey and, and hopefully Johnny Butcher um, will also help in that as well. Um, it would be great to see someone like Jared Redden um, play some games next year and get himself fit. Um, and also just natural improvement um, from the youngsters on our list, guys like Jasper Pittard, Jakey Need, Jared Pollock, Ollie Wines, um, Chatty Wingard, um, and also hopefully some debuts for guys like Mason Shaw and Carl Amon as well. Mm. And even players like Brendan Archie, yep, hopefully he gets another contract. I was really, yes, you know, glad to see his improvement in the second half of the year, and you know, this next year will be his year to really push hard to to try and get some games and and show he's uh, worth of a long term spot on the list. Yep. 
Absolutely. Well, it's been a long one. It's been a good one. It has. Well, boys, Bomber, thanks for coming on, mate. No worries. Thanks for asking me. No worries. We'll get you on again soon. Fantastic. I'll, um, I'll look forward to listening to it. That's it. Rick, <laughs> as always, buddy. Yes, exciting times. How long we got to uh, draft podcasting, Macca? It's not <laughs> long, probably about a month, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very excited. Looking forward to next week. That's it. What are we doing next week? <laughs> a player player <laughs> reviews for the next few weeks, I think, mate. And, uh, and then we'll get into some draft specials and, and some draft reviews, and then we'll look forward to 2015. Exciting times. All right, boys. Great. Come on, Port Adelaide.